Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Anne-Marie Tereso here with me. Anne-Marie Tereso is an author, meditation teacher, and life and leadership coach. She loves working with and empowering young adults on their path to a life filled with passion, purpose, and authentic success. Anne-Marie, thanks so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. How fun. So... I'm really excited to have you on. You were one of the first people that came to mind when I started this podcast. Um, just for anybody listening, I met Anne-Marie. Uh, she is the aunt of one of my high school and college buddies. And we initially jo- like joined in with, with her and what she's doing uh, because of a, a couple's coaching program she was doing. And we got invited to that. And it was really amazing. I immediately just vibed with you and your approach and your energy. So I really wanted to have you on. I appreciate your wisdom and I'm excited to to talk. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for participating in that. That's one of the most fun things um, I get to do. So I love that. Let's just go big picture here. We just talked about what you do, but let's take it back. How did you get to where you're at who you work with and what your mission is. What's your, what's your story? All right. Um, I'm, I'm sitting here deciding how far back do I go? Mm, always the question, right? <laughs> right. Um, well, there was always a part of me that was interested in personal growth, like from a very young age. I can remember like 10 or 11 years old asking questions in my mind and um, being attracted to books that like my friends weren't reading. And I just, I can, I can remember that part of me from a very early stage of my life, but I didn't have a context for it or a community for it. So, so I, you know, I think there's always a thread of who we are it goes way back early into our lives if, if we um, pay attention to it. And then life does life, right? So I, um, I go through my life and I go through my education and I design, um, I decide to apply to design school. I actually did that in 
early in my life, I was in the eighth grade when I applied to design school because I, I wanted to be, be an interior designer. And I did that um, after I graduated high school. They're, they they said, no, you can't come until you graduate high school. So go graduate high school and then come come here. So I did that. And when I was about 16, I created a life plan for myself. And it was a five-year increment from the time I was 16 till I was about 35, 36 years old. And um, I just, I just had a five-year plan. I was like, okay, between the ages of 16 and 21, I'm going to do this. And between the ages of 21 and 25, I'm going to do this. And it went on like that. And I was really specific and detailed. I remember, I remember I could see the list in my mind and it had these things like, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids and I'm going to live in the city and I'm going to have a dog. And like, there's, I was really deliberate and I had like these career paths and I had these monetary goals. And so I just, I had this whole vision for what my life was going to look like. And on that list was um, be in this career of interior design and architecture for the early stages in my twenties. And then once I started having children and my youngest one was in in kindergarten, I was going to go back to school and get a degree in child psychology. And I met all of those goals on my list. When I look back, I was like, holy cow, I was so right on it. Like here I am at 16 years old visioning, having no, no idea what visioning actually was. And then life had some different ideas for me. So much like what's going on in the current world, right? The coronavirus is throwing everyone's lives upside down. My life got turned a little upside down. And when I was pregnant with my third child, um, my marriage started to shift and um, I eventually ended up getting divorced and that wasn't on my, my plan. And I went into a complete and total tailspin in my life. I didn't know what to do. So here I'm a single parent with three kids. Um, I created an incredibly difficult divorce I made it really, really hard um, because I was in such a state of resistance around it. And I just, I couldn't face my plan not working out the way I had planned. So struggle, struggle, struggle through all of that created my life is very difficult and everyone else is around me as a result. And um, obviously I was not in a position to then be going back to school and pursuing things like degrees. And somewhere in that time in my life, um, a friend of mine came to me and said, Hey, there's this thing that I think you should do. She goes, it just so happens. I was on the phone with another friend of mine who signed up for this life coach training with this woman named Martha Beck, who for, I don't know if you know, Martha Beck. Yeah, I do. You do. <laughs> yeah. She's pretty fantastic. So this was about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And she was very early in her stages of building out her coaching business. And this friend of mine said, I just think you should do this. And at the time, I remember having this conversation with her because I was walking down car line, picking up my two older kids from school and still in the throes of like, what am I going to do? I'm a single parent. How do I support myself? I like all of that stuff. And And she's telling me this and I'm thinking in my mind, are you crazy? Like, I've got three small children and I got to get a job now. And that sounds crazy. But something in me said, 
do this, like find a way to just do this. And within 24 hours, like I had to sign up right away because the program was closing, which is like a beautiful gift, right? Because when we have too much time to think about things, we we spend too much time thinking about them. <laughs> so I found a way and I signed up immediately. And I just jumped into this nine month um, training program. And within a few weeks, you're invited to start practicing and getting clients and coaching and all that stuff. And I quickly realized, oh, I've been doing this my whole life. I just didn't have a structure for it. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't call it anything. And I quickly got with, oh, like, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's what started the getting the ball rolling. So deep, deep bow of gratitude to my good friend, Krista, who got the ball rolling for me and sort of lit a fire under me. That's so beautiful. And in hindsight, right? Like we can see how the process plays out and kind of how all the pieces fall into place. Specifically around that, you you just mentioned gratitude and I was going to ask you how much of that moment looked like a kind of, it was meant to be divine intervention, timing is everything type of situation, whatever you want to, however you want to talk about that. Like, I mean, immediately I was like, wow, you're really, you were handed that gift in the, you know, in the box of your friend mentioning that to you. Yeah. All the gifts, right. There's so many hidden gifts. And I think one of my greatest life lessons has been when we focus, when we focus on resisting what is. So I spent many years focusing, focusing on resisting my family falling apart, quote unquote, And all of my energy went towards that resistance. Like this isn't supposed to be happening. And I don't want my children growing up in a broken home. And I don't like this. And like my energy was so distracted that I couldn't see the gifts for a long, long time. And the universe has a way, right? So, you know, there was this little, Krista (laughs) dropped this, this little, you know, uh, right now I'm picturing a water balloon, but more, more like a bubble, right? It was just like a pop up. And, and I'm sure many of those gifts arise for us and we don't always see them, right? Cause they're fast, like a bubble. They kind of arise. They're beautiful. You see a little rainbow in them and poop, they pop and they go. But the more we pay attention, the more bubbles and gifts there are to pay attention to, to, to delight us. So for me, it's, it was just like right timing. Here I was through the muck of everything that was occurring and starting to see I had to make some choices and I just, it just was right in that moment. It was just right. So, so I did, I made the choice. And what was interesting is it didn't make any logical sense. <laughs> there was nothing logical about me postponing earning, like getting a real job and making money. Um, like jumping into this at the time, you know, let's call it 16 years ago, my daughter's 16. So it was 
you know, she was new, new in the world when I started doing this at the time, like life coaching wasn't a thing. Like people didn't know what life coaches were. So there was no guarantee income there. It was just, it was such a long shot, but again, I didn't have time to stew in any of that. All I had was this bubble that popped up, this opportunity, this, um, internal guide sort of pushing me along saying yes to, to what, to this new thing that's arising and following my, my gut. And what I've now learned in my life is do that more, like do that more. The more I do that, the more magic that happens. And even when it doesn't make sense, or especially when it doesn't make sense, do it anyway. Oh, I get like full body chills hearing you say that because it's a lesson that I've had to learn uh, and, and learn it the hard way often. I'm interested. So for me, you know, my, part of my experience has been I strayed so far away of listening to my intuition, to my gut. I am a very logical, analytical individual in terms of how my brain works. So growing up, I really, I really became, or I I came to identify with that and I had pride around it. I valued it. Everything in my life became black and white. And if my mom was listening to this, she would chuckle because she knows how difficult I became <laughs> because everything was black and white and I, I could not see gray area. Yeah. And when your brain functions that way, everything becomes, uh, you intellectualize everything, right? Mm-hmm. And you make decisions based on rationale and logic. And so I love what you said there about having to sometimes let go of that. And to, and especially, especially sometimes go directly against that. And that's something that I've experienced in my life. I work with my clients to do. So for you, I'm curious, what did that feel like to to you? And, and so I guess in that moment, if you remember, but then also as you've progressed with that in your life and as you've embraced that more, how has that looked? What has that process been like? Well, to speak to the point about black and white, I think it's so true that we over-identify with the logical side of things. We're a very data-driven, you know, culture. And we, we don't like the gray area. We don't like uncertainty. We like knowing. And we have created all these constructs to help us feel safe and secure, which is an illusion, but we create them nonetheless. So, you know, one of my great fascinations is the story of like the the path to success. So if you get a great education and you go to right college and you get a great job, you will be happy. You know, it's that, that, really stale formula that actually has no effectiveness whatsoever, (laughs) but we're so deluded by it as um, humans, as parents, 
um, as young people that we've all bought into this and then we create all these structures around it. Like, well, if I get an X on my ACT and if I am involved in so many clubs and if I do this, then I'm putting myself on the next, you know, link up the ladder so that I'm getting into the right college so that I'm getting into the right, you know, classes so that all the rightness Mm -hmm. that we, we so like to believe we're creating. And what I was learning back then is like my life plan, my right life plan. It was going swimmingly well. I did everything on it. But when we get too lost in the black and white in the head, right? Like what's everything that's occurring just up here in the mental construct, we become radically disconnected from our heart and from our knowing and our intuition. And having this coherence, this open line of communication between my head and my heart is fundamental to true success in my mind. So if we really stop being with the world as if we know what's right and we start stepping into it from a place of real curiosity, um, real beginner's mind um, and trust, like openness and trust and just start following our intuition a little bit more. It doesn't mean we throw logic out the window. I'm not asking us to abandon that part of ourselves. Our mind is there to, to collaborate with our heart center and our intuition so that we can create that what we want. But what we have forgotten and lost is the answers aren't in the mind. The answers are in the heart. The mind is of service to the heart's desire. And so I think I forgot your question, but um, that's the tangent I went on. Love um, it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's sort of the tangent I went on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. sort of thinking my, my big practice has been surrendering more and trusting more and following my gut more. And, you know, one big example is this, I have a podcast, as you know, too. It's called University. And I talk to young people about the very same kinds of things that you're talking to your audience about. And... I had no intention of creating a podcast. I don't know about you, but I had a whole hell of a lot of other things going on. <laughs> yep. I, I don't really have time. And by the way, I had no idea what it was sort of like me signing up. It was the exact same thing as me signing up for that life coach training program. I actually had no idea what I was signing up to do yet. I just followed it and did it. And my podcast was the very same thing. I was meditating and in my meditation, this like voice came you need a podcast. And I was like, what are you crazy? I don't need a podcast. I need nothing more to do on my to-do list. Mm -hmm. But that voice kept coming. And so being in this practice of surrender and trusting, I just said, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to listen and I'm going to foul this and see where it takes me. And it just turns out it was absolutely the right thing to do. And what's beautiful about it is had I known how involved it was to do podcasting, there's no way I would have signed up to do it because it's, it's much bigger than I imagined it was. Um, but I'm really loving it. I'm really enjoying it and I'm so glad I'm doing it. So that's, you know, those are some ways in which I'm listening in different ways to, to my life. 
it's beautiful how those things play out. And I think you said it right there. It was like, you have to be listening or willing to listen or open to listen in order for these things to happen. You, I like, I really like what you said before about kind of how these moments are bubbles in our lives, these, these gifts, these opportunities. And so often, because I, I'm definitely a believer of that as well as we have opportunities, but so often we are distracted and we're, we're paying attention to all of this external noise, everything outside of us. We're thinking about the next moment. We're thinking about a year from now, 10 years from now, you know, speaking of creating life plans, like all that kind of stuff. And you cannot possibly be ready to even for one, even notice, but then to accept and embrace an opportunity when you're, when you're not present, when you're not here, when you're not in the moment, when you're actually engaging. And I I love that we're talking about this because I actually just had a client the other night who I I like to start this story off. I I posted about it on Instagram. I was like, my client had a breakthrough and I didn't do shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was kind of like my way of attention grabbing. Cause like, it wasn't to talk about me, but what I thought happened for him was so beautiful. He was out on a walk in an area that he's walked a million times before, but he was present. And the way he saw his surroundings was very different than he's experienced it before. Mm-hmm. And that shift triggered another shift in him. We've kind of been hitting a wall recently with, with his situation and what's going on. But this triggered something for him and was like, oh, I can shift this way of looking at this thing. And all, it was just like a domino effect and all these other things yeah. fell into place. And I was so, I just thought it was so perfect because, and I was so proud of him because this is something that he struggled with. He's an anxious guy and I can re- relate to that because I've had issues with anxiety in my past as well of always looking forward, right? Always being so attached to wanting to control the outcome and what's going to happen later instead of being in the present moment. But he was able to be present. And because of that, and because he was engaged with the things that were happening to him right here, right now, he was then able to kind of be cracked open and have this bigger breakthrough. And I feel like that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. In the place of presence, we have access to all of the intelligence that lives within us. We just need to be present to all of it. And in the busyness of our life, we often aren't still enough to listen and tune in. I mean, this is the beauty of what's going on right now in shelter in place and coronaviruses. We are all being invited to still ourselves. And as the world outside gets quieter and quieter, it's easier for us to listen, to go inward and listen if we choose to choose. Many of us will continue to choose to do our busyness just in a different way. Um, But it truly is this really uniquely beautiful moment in time to to go, to go inward, to go still and inward. And, um, and there's like an incredible amount of gold 
in that when we're really willing to listen. Something I want to mention along with that is, or ask you, so why don't we do that? If there is, because I'm right there with you. There's so much gold there. There's so much value. Why don't we listen? Or why do we run away from that call or pretend like we're not hearing it or choosing not to hear it? Well, I think an easy and obvious answer is fear. You know, we're all walking around like with a tail between our legs, living our lives in in fear. So it's scary to live your big, bold, audacious self. Um, We're afraid. We're afraid to be our, our biggest selves. So we don't create space for that part of ourself to rise up. And I think the other thing that's true is we don't all know how, right? So we're, it's sort of like the blind leading the blind. You know, we're raised in a particular way by particular beings who were raised by other beings who were raised by other beings who are just sort of doing life the way they've been um, generationally trained to live and brainwashed. That's the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And so we don't even know. I mean, I would say I grew up in a home. I was sort of like the black sheep in my family. I always had this like nagging and knowing inside me. Um, But no one in my family could relate to that. And I was just sort of an oddball and sort of freaky and strange and no, you know, just no one could relate to me. And so there was always this inner knowing in me, like something's, something's not right. Something's off here. And, but I didn't have a community around me at the time to honor that voice or support that voice. So in so, and, and then of course I'm saying things like this in my life and the people around me that I'm closest to can't necessarily relate. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It just, it, there's, they're just fine. We're just, it's like we're having two different conversations mm-hmm. and, and then you start to feel like, well, maybe I'm not quite fitting in or maybe there's something wrong with me. So then we start to go into these fear stories. So first we don't know how to connect and really trust that voice. And then when we get connected to that voice and we hear it and we allow ourselves to hear it more and more and more, it's really flipping scary. It's asking us to do some pretty bold things out in the world. And, and I mean, that's a scary thing to do. Yeah. I, that was kind of what I was digging for there. I was curious if, if you were going to say something along those lines, because that's really what we see, right? Is, is, that's a really scary place for people to go. And again, kind of relating back to the current situation with coronavirus, as like you said, we've all been given this opportunity to go a little bit deeper because this, this, you know, giant noise dial has been turned way down. Exactly. Like you were saying, some people are going to choose to kind of like take that challenge on heed the call. Cause at first I think, I guess where I'm going with this is like, 
on the surface, it's it's like, well, why don't we all just do that then? Like, why don't we all just listen to that voice? If it's all like sunshine and rainbows, like, why don't we chase that? Why don't we go with it? And we can all just be our true selves and have happiness. And it's so much easier. So I think there's so much to be said for how difficult it is. And so you're doing a great job of like, kind of, this is level one, this is level two of like, being open to that. And there's, there's just stages then of where we get stuck and each stage can get a little bit more scary and it's, it's a process, right? Yeah. It's a, it's an evolution. We're all evolving and waking up and evolving and waking up and evolving and waking up. And I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what this journey is all about. So I'm going to take this in another direction for a moment you had mentioned at one point that being a parent and and the whole like life path thing with success and this plan, I'm curious to get your take on that because as you alluded to, we, we both talked to our audiences about that same thing, how to make shifts. What I'm curious about is like, I don't have kids yet. So I haven't had to actually go through a process of working with a young one and especially my young one in terms of how to approach life and how to just, yeah, just kind of like work through growing up and, and staying true to yourself and finding out what happiness and quote unquote success looks like for you. So how has that experience been for you as a parent? How's the experience of, of guide, I I guess like guiding a young, yeah, yeah. Great question. Well, I think I look at parenting as like a co-voyaging experience. And I that wasn't always true. So I have a 21-year-old son, a 19-year-old daughter, and a 15, soon to be 16-year-old daughter. So I would say my poor 21-year-old son, who was, you know, like, oh, your first kid's always your guinea pig. Um I did the certainty thing. So I got pregnant. I read all the books, what to expect when you're expecting and every other book, the fowls. I had a plan. And the funniest part about it, Ben is like Robert, my now 21 year old son, he was like textbooked. So like I got pregnant exactly when I planned to get pregnant. He was growing. Every time you go to the doctor, you get these measurements and he was growing just exactly like you're supposed to, you know, and he was like perfect. And I delivered him right around his due date. And it was like the the textbook, you know, delivery, the whole pregnancy was textbook. And I'm like, well, I mean, this is working out just the way I planned. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and I just kept reading the books and I'm like, okay, I'm convinced I'm going to be the best parent and I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to read all the books and I'm going to make sure I follow all the directions. It's like baking a cake. Like if, if I get all the right ingredients and all the freshest stuff and measure properly and cook it perfectly, it'll be the most beautiful cake on earth. And, and this child will not suffer, right? Like I remember a mantra, like, you know how we all say, I'm not going to do that thing my parent did to me. Like <laughs> yep. we all love to say that. Uh, anyone listening out there who thinks they're who's thinking about having kids or ha- has kids, 
knows um, that is so not true. You're absolutely going to do that or you're going to do something worse. So just wrap your brain around <laughs> that. So I just thought it was a, I just thought there was a formula and what I instead created in a lot of ways was a really anxious kid. Like, cause I was anxious and I was wanting things to be a specific way. And this is a human being we're talking about, like with their own journey and their own path, like they come through you to have their own life experience. You're just simply voyaging along life with them. I'm not their conductor. I'm, you know, they're, I'm their like partner in life. And so once I started to realize how much I was getting in the way of my children's own life experience, I realized that um, this was way more for me. Parenting was way more about me parenting myself than it was about parenting them. They're fine. You know, like kids need a sandbox and a shovel and they can create the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So Again, I don't know if I've answered your question because I've gone off on my own little tangents, but I think you're, you asked, how do I guide, right? How do I guide them? Yeah. And the number one thing I've come to at this stage of my parenting, which has been 21 years now, so every day I'm learning, is number one, get the hell out of their way. This is not your story. This is their story. Get the hell mm. out of the way. Hold really good boundaries um, let them fail and let them fail big and let them fail early. I think one of the greatest disservices, is that a word? Um, mm-hmm. the greatest disservice we do nowadays is we oversupport our kids. Yeah. Especially those of us with wealth and privilege. Um, and what I mean by wealth is not like millions of dollars, but anyone who can like afford anything more than just the basic average, we're getting our kids the extra stuff. We're getting them the coaches and the tutors and the help and the SAT stuff and the the, the piano lessons. And we're doing all of that. Um, and not that I'm saying don't do piano lessons in baseball practice. That's, that's not what I'm here to say, but um, stop it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I quickly, when I, one of the gifts of my divorce was, I couldn't afford the same things that we did when we were married, you know, life changed and I had to be really deliberate about the choices we made for the extracurriculars. And before it was like, we were filling every minute of every day to keep ourselves busy so that our kids were enriched (laughs) and there was no space. There was no space. I remember when Robert was like two years old, I'd woken up and we're getting ourselves ready to get out the door at nine o'clock to get to our wiggle worms class. And he says to me, stay home, play mommy, stay home, play, you know, cause he could barely talk. Maybe he was younger than two, but, and I just looked at him and I thought, Oh my gosh, you poor little thing. You just want to stay home and like play with your Thomas, the tank engine or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? Like, what am I doing anyway? So I think the guide is like, I get out of my way so that they can be on their journey. And then I create the bumper rail so that they don't fall too far off 
or I'm just a reminder of, hey, you sure you want to go over there? Are you sure that that's what feels right to you? And then the thing I'm most learning over the past number of years that I'm sure Robert wishes I would have learned many, many more years ago was that when you see your kids, and I think this applies to anyone, like you don't have to be a parent. This can apply to a significant other or a friend. It doesn't really matter. But when you see someone sort of going off the rails, let them, let them, like you don't know the gifts they're going to get. And it's not your business. It really isn't. But it's really easy to say that sitting over here, not in the throes of anything, you know, major going on. And it's much harder in the moment. I definitely hear that. And to me, that sounds like kind of the the concept of like actually loving unconditionally instead of making it about you and, and taking it on. And it just makes a lot of sense. And I just want to thank you. I'm excited that I got some free parenting advice. So I'm selfishly <laughs> using my, my podcast here. <laughs> uh, now I'm but, curious, like, is something happening that I need to know about? <laughs> oops. Yep. No, let it slip. No, I'm not announcing this of our podcast. <laughs> um, I, I love the metaphor you used of being kind of like the guiding rails. You know, I, I don't know if this is the, what you were intending, but I was picturing bowling having bumpers, having bumpers up and, and letting, because, you know, we're talking specifically about children, but then you kind of, I guess, as you finished there, you kind of broadened it a little bit in terms of like when you see somebody flailing and, and, and what you perceive to be flailing, let it happen, let it happen. And again, you know, there's certain constraints here, like the, the rails are, if they are, you know, on the verge of suicide or something like very serious, like obviously that's a different case, but if what they're doing, if they look like they're floundering, like you said, you know, make sure they don't drown, but let them flounder a little bit, let them figure things out. Because as you said, the gifts that you can gain from that are, are massive. So I, I, Absolutely understand how, how that makes sense. I had some other thing in there that I was going to say, and I, I lost it as I just continued to ramble there. <laughs> well, I want to say something about drowning and suicide. This is going to be kind of radical, and I'm sure people are going to get really, well, there might be people who get a little ruffled. But I would say, can we even go as far as finding the beauty in that too? Like I, I would say, and by the way, I'm pretty sure I'm not there. So let's just have it. If I thought one of my kids was on the verge of, you know, killing themselves, I am certain I would interfere. But, um, there, but again, that's about me, right? That's like, Mm -hmm. we can't know that that, that that choice that they may be making may not be the right choice mm-hmm. in the grand scheme, like in the big picture yeah. of their spiritual journey. And look, I'm not sitting here advocating for these awful things to happen. Please bear everything in perspective. But there's there's a way in which we still 
relate to things as good, bad, right, wrong? And what if everything was just perfect? What if we unconditionally love the Mm -hmm. suicide? What if we unconditionally love the failure? What if we unconditionally loved all of it? Not just picked and choosed the things to unconditionally love. Mm -hmm. Because anything that happens to someone else that we're trying to stop, it's only always about our own experience. It's because we're trying to control our experience to some degree. And, um, you know, being a parent, I mean, my experience so far as a parent in the last 21 years is it's almost impossible to really let your kids suffer too much. It's, it's just an impossible thing. It's so heartbreaking. Um, so I say that all like in this big picture sort of theoretical way of thinking about it, but, um, it is a belief that I hold. Yeah, I think that's really interesting to explore. I also remembered what I was going to say before that, and that was that I I am the oldest, and I know, like, I definitely resonated with what you were saying about your how involved you are as a parent, and and kind of all the safety padding, right? And that was me, and that was my experience. Was I. I didn't as get the, the oppor- oldest or as the, I the mean, old- from your parents or you as a sibling to your uh, brothers and sisters from my parents, like oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, like definitely uh, mama's boy growing up very. And, and, and the reason I can see these things so clearly is because, and this isn't obviously to put any blame or burden on her. It actually released a lot of my own, feelings when I realized it was about her and not about me, you know, in that moment, it was, she was doing the best she could and she was doing what she knew how. And I say she, (laughs) not to single you out, mom, but like my dad was there too, but it was very much, um, so much was coming down from her. But the, the, the thing is then the failure comes at some point, right? And those things come sometime down the line so it's like, if it's not going to happen now, it's going to happen later. And so yes. I think there's an interesting connection between that and then, you know, what you're saying about depression or suicide. I think there's an interesting thing there in that there has to be a certain level of the individual going through whatever it is that they're going through, whether they're a young child and um, you're they're they're outside playing and you think it's dangerous because they're playing with sticks and you tell them to stop or whatever. Or it's an adult who's depressed because their life isn't going the way they want it to. If you do, if, if, if there's too much intervention, that individual, that being, you know, if, if we want to get spiritual about it, like the growth cannot occur. That person can't grow in the way that they need to. And so I think overall, it is just an interesting topic of the, again, we're, we're going back to gray areas here, right? Like there's an, this is an absolute gray area of, as a person, as, as somebody who cares about this other person who is going through something, whether a parent of that child or a friend of that depressed person, there's so much gray area around how much do I intervene? How much do I offer? And so it's not an easy place to be, but 
I guess I'm just kind of thinking out loud at the end of the day. Yes. That person, there's a certain amount of growth and pain that that person necessary. That needs to go through in order to grow. Yeah. It's like the butterfly, the caterpillar and the cocoon. And if you break the caterpillar out of the cocoon too soon, it, it, it dies. It just becomes slime. So, I mean, that's a really um, short edited version of that metamorphosis, <laughs> yeah. but it's exactly, it's exactly what we do to our kids right now. And by the way, to bring this back to, it's not just, it's, it's huge in parenting, right? But we do it to one another out in the world all the time. We do it to our significant others. We do it to our friends. Um, we don't like to see one another struggle and suffer. And, and more selfishly, we want to be the hero. We want to save people. So we go out and, and try and fix everybody. And, and then we're not actually, you know, fixing anyone. We're, we're creating codependence out in the world and we're creating one another as reliable and there's beauty in helping people. I don't want to, you know, diminish helpers. That's not at all what I'm saying here, but um, it's, it's, there's a way in which we can be selfish about helping when um, we over help and others aren't given the freedom to thrive and survive on their own. I have this silly example that I'm going to give you from today, but you know, my kids are all home because of coronavirus and shelter in place. And my 19 year old daughter um, is vegan and we're not. And so um, I asked her to make dinner tonight because she's got time. And so she's making vegan chili and like I gave her the recipe and all the ingredients. All she had to do is put it all together. And I went down there during a break and was checking on her. She's like, Oh my God, this is so hard. And this takes so long and there's so much chopping and what order do I do? I mean, the directions could not be any more clear, <laughs> but, but um, I was sitting there going, Oh, this is really interesting. And she's really independent and does a lot on her own um, and, and has cooked a lot for herself, but she makes like, you know, simple things. Um, not recipes. And so I thought, wow, this is going to be a really good dinner tonight because she had to do it and she had to struggle through figuring it out. And she's going to feel really good about herself having produced this thing. And we need to do more of that with one another, not just our kids, but with one another, like let each other struggle a little bit so that we can have the experience of feeling empowered and good about ourselves and um, and what's the word? I don't want to use the word successful, accomplished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was just a little, like a little, it was like a little reminder lesson for mama me over here. Like there's a way in which this coronavirus shelter in place circumstance, you know, we've got seven people living here and I typically take responsibility for most of the stuff around the house. And I quickly got with, I'm un I'm unavailable to do that for seven people sheltering in place and we have to divide and conquer here, but I hadn't quite done it with meals and I'd been taking on too much responsibility for meals and it was exhausting me and I was starting to get a little resentful. And um, then I got with, well, I can actually ask for help and support and, and it, it's a gift for everyone, you know? It's such a great way of looking at it, <laughs> but it's so funny when, and again, we're, we're kind of coming back to that theme of control, right? It's like, you, you know, that you can get it done and often it's going to be quicker and easier that way. But then 
yeah, just coming to the realization of like, oh, I do have <laughs> six other people who are here to help, you know, contribute. I really feel like it almost goes full circle to how you started the conversation or, or telling your story about having a life plan and control. Like to me, there that's been a pretty central theme of what we've talked about today. And you use the words surrender and trust at one point, words that I love dearly, even though they're so difficult. <laughs> but but things that have been so I mean, like truly impactful on my journey mm-hmm. and and being able to feel into those things. And and also like it's a freaking learning process. Like it's nonstop. I'm always trying to figure out how to do those things better, how to do them more, how to become, to create more awareness around situations where I'm not doing that. Yeah. So yeah. to kind of like all those points and, and to, we're speaking about this at such a perfect time in terms, because everybody can see this as humanity, our need for control has become very apparent. And I think it's beautiful in that mother nature was basically like, Hey, fuck you. You actually don't have a say. So you're going to sit on your ass while I do what I want. And you like, I feel like we've been putting time out and it's, in a, exactly in a good way. Exactly what I would like, <laughs> So word for word. what, how, how do you feel about that? What do you think about control, the situation that we're in? And, and then I guess how, for, for anybody that this is like very new and this is creating a lot of pain for them, how would you suggest dipping their toe into the, the, the pool of surrender? <laughs> well, first, um, honor your suffering. So this is not to say surrender and don't suffer because there is suffering. The suffering is, is real. We don't, but we don't have to suffer, right? We can experience pain and not suffering, but we must honor where we're at. So for those of us who are really struggling and having struggles, right? There's many people out there who are experiencing, you know, losing loved ones and health issues and major life changes right now. And that is hard. And I'm here to honor that and stay with it. Like, but to be present in this, in this struggle is the single most important thing and not to get swept up in it. Like I did, you know, that many years ago when I was going through my, my big struggle, but really ultimately it's like, like stop fooling yourself. You have no control. You have no control. So stop fighting the truth and start living from a place of trust and, and just let go. It's so much more fun over here. It's so much more fun to let go and stop controlling. And by the way, even as I hold this now as my new way, my new reality in life, I still try and control things because there's still things I don't like and I want to change. But I quickly wake up to, okay, what's in my camp of what I can control, what I can't control. 
And how am I going to be with all of that? And so I think the the big life lesson, and I agree with you, Mother Nature is saying, you know, fuck you, sit still, I've got this. Like you weren't going to listen and now I'm making you listen. I have given you opportunity after opportunity after mm-hmm. opportunity to change your behavior and you're not. Those bubbles we talked about. Those bubbles and people, we don't want to listen because we don't want to, we don't want to change. We're stubborn and I get it. I'm part of that. But now we have no choice. I mean, we do have a choice, but you know, our choices are much more limited. More an ultimatum. (laughs) Yeah. It's like an ultimatum. It's like, you know, and my big fear right now is that we're not going to be in timeout long enough to, to really um, feel it enough to make the kind of changes that I believe we need to make to be a more thriving, sustainable world. So we'll see. So I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my fingers that we all learn what we need to learn and that we evolve and we get some good life lessons. And, and in the meantime, we you know, connect with the people we love. I think it's really interesting to watch the, the choices we're all making right now. Who are Very we so. spending our time with? Like yep. right now, we have to deliberately connect with people because we have to choose. I'm going to get on this Zoom call. I'm not going to run into someone. I'm not going to happen to be at a, a social gathering where these people are. Like I have to deliberately choose who I'm giving my time and energy to. Um, and so it's, it's I, I hope everyone's using it as a really beautiful um, experience of awareness. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you and and truly that's, that's what I've been noticing with people too, is, is like, what are you going towards during this time? Where are you being pulled? Where is your energy being pulled? Exactly like you're saying, notice who you're reaching out to or feeling pulled to reach out to notice the activities that you feel drawn to. I want to be outside as much as I possibly can. Or like, that's the highlight of my day, even if I'm outside for 10 minutes and notice those things because this, you know, we talked about intuition and it's difficult. That's like a very, for, for a lot of people, that's this very esoteric topic that just doesn't make sense because we are so, you know, we identified so much with our mind and our brain, but these are the ways, like these are the clues, right? These are the breadcrumbs of this is what actually matters to us. And so I think if, if we can take away anything during this time, and exactly like you're saying, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see the duration of this and what we truly get from it at the end of the day, but really pay attention to those things that come up. What feels good, what feels bad, and, and get curious about that. Dig a yes. little bit deeper, and yeah, go from there. Curiosity is key. It's written, it's written on my whiteboard. It's been my mantra for probably half a year now get curious and it it (laughs) to me those two words have been life-changing that's a great mantra i love it i love that it's on your whiteboard and miss it (laughs) (laughs) see it daily so it's been it's been great um emory it's been so much fun chatting i do have a quick little segment here three questions 30 second answers. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. All right. It's called the visionary hat trick. I truly believe that we are all visionaries in our own way and we all have something to contribute. Hence the name of the podcast. So 
the first question is share one belief that you have that sounds wild or crazy or that you worry about being judged for. That everything that happens is absolutely perfect, no matter what it is. Mm, Love it. Number two, when you realize your personal vision, what does that look like and what impact does that have? Um, When I realize what my personal vision is, like what I'm doing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Your path, your vision, when you, when you fully flesh that out, how does, what, what does that feel? What does that look like? How does that help people? Um, it looks like helping people wake up to their, um, true selves. And it looks like exactly what I'm doing, you know, coaching and working with young adults and just doing my doings the way I'm doing them right now. And then the final question, we're zooming all the way out. What is your hope for humanity? Um, Ties absolutely into what I'm doing. My hope for humanity is that we all continue to wake one another up um, such that we're loving people in ways that we all feel free. Mm. Mm, I feel that. Thank you so much for your time. Conversation has been so great. Thank you for being on. Yeah, super fun to be here. Thanks, Ben. I love what you're doing and I'm really, really thrilled to be a part of it. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Real quick before we jump off, where can the people find you? Instagram, Anne-Marie Chereso, A-N-N-M-A-R-I-E-C-H-E-R-E-S-O. Same thing, annemariechereso.me is my new website. Um, Those are two great places to start. Guys, if you're here listening and like what I'm about and my my vision, my journey, go and please follow Anne-Marie. She's doing awesome things from a totally different perspective, but so much of it is so much of the same. So yep. thank you, Anne-Marie. I really appreciated this. Thanks, Ben. See you later. Bye now. Be well. Hey, yo. Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.